Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. House Republicans are crying foul. They say new evidence indicates Dr. Anthony Fauci prompted the writing of a paper meant to disprove the COVID-19 lab leak theory. A 2024 Democratic candidate accuses the Democratic Party of unfairly favoring President Biden in the primaries. Former gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake threw a CPAC audience a curveball over the weekend. She says someone tried to bribe her to leave politics. The New York City Police Department would like businesses to require customers to remove masks before entry. It's to combat a spike in crime. House Republicans say they have new email evidence about Dr. Anthony Fauci. They suggest that the former chief medical advisor to the president was behind the drafting of a paper meant to disprove the COVID-19 lab leak theory. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more. The House committee issued a memo on March 5th. It describes a conference call between former NIH director Dr. Francis Collins, Fauci, and at least 11 other scientists in early February 2020. Collins, Fauci, and others were warned in the call about the possibility that the virus may have leaked from a laboratory in Wuhan, China. Three days after the call, some of the participants released the so-called Proximal Origin paper. The paper's abstract suggests that the virus may have jumped from animals to humans. The memo says Collins and Fauci were sent a draft of the paper and were reportedly authorized to edit and approve it. Just eight weeks later, Fauci stood next to former President Trump at a press conference. He referred to that paper as evidence that the lab leak theory wasn't plausible. The mutations that it took to get to the point where it is now is totally consistent with a jump of a species from an animal to a human. So, I mean, the the paper will be available. I, I don't have the authors right now, but we can make that available too. Emails show that Collins later wrote Fauci and expressed dismay that the Proximal Origin paper did not squash the lab leak hypothesis. He asked if the NIH could do more to, quote, put down the lab leak hypothesis. The committee asserts that Fauci prompted Dr. Christian Anderson of Scripps Research to write the Proximal Origin paper, citing internal emails, and that it was designed to disprove any lab leak theory. The House committee says Dr. Anderson did not believe the data cited in the paper disproved a lab leak theory, despite saying so publicly. Meanwhile, Dr. Marty McCary testified on February 28th that public health officials made many tragic mistakes during the pandemic. Ignoring natural immunity, dismissing the lab leak as a conspiracy, closing schools, masking toddlers, boosting young healthy people. But the doctor emphasized one thing. They were wrong because they refused to evolve their positions as the data became abundantly clear. The CDC recommends everyone stay up to date with COVID-19 vaccines for their age group, children and teens aged 6 months to 17 years old, and adults 18 years and older. Neither Fauci nor Collins has made public a statement in response to the House committee's memo. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. An Australian senator is concerned about the delayed approach to updating Australia's database of adverse event notifications. This after it was revealed that a number of deaths attributed to the vaccine, including those of two children aged seven and nine, were not included. A Freedom of Information request by an Australian doctor revealed the Australian Pharmaceutical and Drug Administrator had not updated the database with the deaths. 
The senator is calling for independent oversight of the agency, given the conflict of interest. He says they approve the vaccines and would therefore be held responsible for the deaths of these children due to what he called poor regulatory oversight. The Chinese Communist Party continues to hamper U.S. efforts to determine the origin of COVID-19. That's according to two congressmen, one Democrat and one Republican. Representatives Jim Himes and Mike Turner made the comments during an appearance on NBC's Meet the Press. Himes noted that it may be forever before Washington knows exactly where the virus originated. He said, quote, we have so few facts because the Chinese regime has obfuscated. Recent reports have said the Energy Department concluded that the COVID-19 virus leaked from a lab. Turner noted that there has been no official comment from the Energy Department. In February, the FBI confirmed its assessment that the origin of the virus was a lab incident in Wuhan, China. But the Office of the Director of National Intelligence says the virus was likely caused by natural exposure to an animal. India is reporting a new wave of flu cases across the country. Health experts say it causes symptoms similar to those of COVID-19. Footage shows patients flooding hospitals in New Delhi and other cities. Many share the symptoms of cough, high fever, and body ache. Authorities say these are caused by type A H3N2 influenza. The same strain killed some one million people worldwide in 1968. Now in particular, it's affecting those with low immunity and other coexisting illnesses. Doctors in India are linking the ongoing surge to a sudden change in the weather. Democratic presidential candidate Marianne Williamson is accusing the Democratic Party of rigging the system in favor of President Biden. Meanwhile, President Biden has put together a team of high-profile Democrats to promote what he considers his accomplishments. Marianne Williamson is the first Democrat to formally challenge President Biden for the 2024 primary. In a Sunday appearance on ABC, she accused the Democratic National Committee of rigging the nomination process in favor of Biden. That's after the committee decided the state of New Hampshire won't be the first to hold Democratic primaries for the 2024 election. And, and what about this notion of taking New Hampshire out of its uh, out of its position as first? You're going to New Hampshire. I can tell you that New Hampshireites are not happy about that. The fact that so they, will you be competing in the New Hampshire primary, even though the DNC I will. has said this is a democracy. This is the yeah. thing. The DNC should not be rigging this system. They don't even pretend anymore. They're not even covert about their uh, their swaying the the primary season. They're very overt about it. They're going to get... So that's what's going on, is they're rigging the system for Biden. They even admit that, Jonathan. New Hampshire is historically the first state to hold primaries following Iowa's caucuses. And New Hampshire has a state law which says it must hold the primaries before all other states. South Carolina, where Biden enjoyed comfortable winning margins, will be Democrats' first nominating state in 2024. However, New Hampshire's Republican governor responded on Twitter saying Joe Biden and the power brokers at the DNC in Washington think New Hampshire's time is up, but it's not in our DNA to take orders from Washington. New Hampshire will be going first in 2024. NTD reached out to the DNC for comment, but didn't immediately hear back. Meanwhile, President Biden is enlisting a team of high-profile Democrats to promote what he considers his accomplishments. This, as Biden is expected, to announce a bid to run in 2024. The list includes Governors Phil Murphy, Gavin Newsom, Gretchen Whitmer, Senator Elizabeth Warren, and more. A former New York State Senator and current Democratic political strategist told the Epic Times, the objective is to unify the country. In his words, strength comes from unity. Even if some of those appointees decide to run against the president, at least the Democrats will come to the general election with a robust, transparent, and unified message. He added that Republicans are currently lacking this kind of unity within party lines. 
Former President Trump outlined his agenda for his 2024 presidential run at CPAC over the weekend. The Republican candidate says he wants to finish what he started and that it's not enough just to stop the forces tearing America down. It's time to build America back up. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has some of the highlights from Trump's CPAC speech. Former President Trump predicted the U.S. is on a dangerous trajectory in his speech on Saturday, unless something changes soon. I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Not going to let this happen. He says sinister forces have done everything they can to stop him, silence Americans, and turn the nation into a socialist dumping ground for criminals and radicals and that the country is headed towards becoming a filthy communist nightmare. He likened it to a final battle. Either they win or we win. And if they win, we no longer have a country. Trump touted his former policies and contrasted them with the current administration. He says if back in the White House, he will revoke President Biden's executive order installing Marxist diversity, equity, and inclusion czars in federal agencies, urge Congress to create a restitution fund for Americans discriminated against by Biden's policies, and ban all racial discrimination by the government. Trump is referring to Biden's recent executive order to advance so-called racial equity and support for unserved communities. Trump says if elected, he will totally obliterate the deep state and fire unelected bureaucrats and shadow forces weaponizing the justice system. They're not coming after me, they're coming after you, and I'm just standing in their way. That's all I'm doing. He spoke about peace through strength, pointing out no new wars started during his presidency, reiterating his belief that Russia's invasion of Ukraine wouldn't have taken place if he was still in office, adding his personality type is one that can prevent World War III from breaking out. Trump said he plans to target gangs and drug cartels and increase border patrol and deportation agents if he wins in 2024, and swore to stand strong despite repeated investigations, vowing to stay in the presidential race even if criminally indicted. Every time the polls go up higher and higher, the prosecutors get crazier and crazier. We gotta stop these guys. Trump concluded by promising to complete the vision to make America great again. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Former gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake says she was recently offered a bribe to leave politics. Lake has been floated as a possible vice presidential candidate for the 2024 election. A mom who runs for office and they're afraid of me? They tried to bribe me with a job title, with a huge salary, a position on a board. This is how they do it. And I said, are you kidding me? I walked away from a big job and a big salary. I'm not motivated by that stuff, guys. So this person standing before me was sent at the request of some powerful people back east. They want me out of politics. Well, wait a minute. I thought they already stopped us. Why are they so afraid? I thought they already stopped our movement. Lake says the person who showed up at her door called her beforehand. She did not elaborate on the identity of the individual or provide other specific details. Lake relayed the story while speaking at CPAC. In related news, the Arizona Supreme Court has agreed to expedite a hearing for Carrie Lake's election lawsuit. That's after two lower state courts rejected it. Lake argued the motion was necessary to resolve issues needed to safeguard Arizona voters' right to free elections. The New York City Police Department is advising businesses to ask patrons to take off their masks before entering in light of the high number of thefts and robberies across the city. 
The NYPD chief of department says removing face masks should be required to enter shops and businesses. He said criminals have taken advantage of masks to avoid detection on surveillance cameras. He says businesses can still allow patrons to put their masks back on after identifying themselves. The advice comes as New York City Mayor Eric Adams said that a shoplifting epidemic is forcing chain stores to close down and costing retail workers their jobs. According to data analysis by the New York Post, there were over 63,000 reports of shoplifting and retail robberies in 2021 and over 43,000 incidents in 2022. Fires broke out after protests in Atlanta, Georgia yesterday. 35 people were arrested. The unrest unfolded at a police training center construction site. Cop City is what opponents of the planned Atlanta Public Safety Training Center mockingly call the site. The location has been the scene of brewing tensions. Demonstrators oppose what they see as the increasing militarization of police. They're also unhappy about the destruction of the forest, which they call the lungs of Atlanta. The police and fire training center is being built on 85 acres of a 400-acre city-owned property. It's within the larger South River Forest. Sunday's events began with a music festival attended by hundreds. That was part of a week of demonstrations against the construction. But police say events turned violent when so-called agitators changed into black clothing, breached the site, and launched bricks, fireworks, and other objects at officers. Heavy smoke could be seen for miles. Flames and smoke flowed from multiple spots on the property. The area was on lockdown, with a SWAT team reporting to the scene. There was another protest at the site in January. That also briefly turned violent. Demonstrators set a police car on fire and smashed windows of buildings. The demonstrators said they were protesting the killing of an activist by police. The man died during a police raid to clear the construction site. The police say they were fired upon first. One officer was shot during that incident. Newly released video shows a piece of the ceiling in Harvard's train station collapsing, stopping commuters in their tracks last week. Commuters just got off the train in Cambridge, Massachusetts when the incident happened. Some commuters were on the stairs when a soundproofing panel collapsed where they had been seconds before. Another passenger stood still as the ceiling fell without warning. Onlookers on the platform looked back to see what happened. No one was injured in the incident. MBTA said on Twitter that engineers inspected panels and removed any that posed an immediate safety concern. Initial findings show that a water leak could have caused the panel to fall. In normal conditions, the panels weigh about 5 pounds. However, MBTA said because of the moisture buildup, the panel weighed about 25 pounds when it fell. And just ahead, the top U.S. military officer visits U.S. troops stationed in northern Syria. He's there to affirm the importance of their task in preventing a resurgence of Islamic State. And Georgian lawmakers come to blows over the country's new foreign agents law. Opponents say it is inspired by Russian President Putin. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. We're continuing with some news from around the world, starting in the Middle East. Al-Qaeda confirms that a top Saudi leader was killed in an airstrike in Yemen last month. The U.S. is suspected to be behind the airstrike. 
The information comes via a nonprofit that monitors Islamic extremist websites. The nonprofit group reported that the leader was killed on February 26th in a drone strike that targeted his residence. Yemeni security officials, on condition of anonymity and not confirmed by NTD, said he was a council president and judge for the group Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. The United States views the group as one of the most dangerous branches of the Al-Qaeda network founded by Osama bin Laden. Over the last decade, international and local groups have waged an intensive campaign against the terrorist group. And in Syria, a U.S. deployment has been combating the Islamic State terrorists for nearly eight years. Now a top U.S. military officer says it's still worth the risk. This was after a rare unannounced visit to a dusty base in the country's northeast. Army General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, flew into the embattled region over the weekend. The U.S. has a force of about 900 service members deployed to monitor and counter remaining Islamic State terrorists. The little-known American mission in Syria is meant to keep a lid on any potential resurgence of ISIS as the U.S. grapples with threats from Russia and China. These pictures were snapped by Reuters Pentagon correspondent Phil Stewart, who accompanied General Milley into Syria. The idea behind the mission is really to, to kind of, it's an insurance policy to make sure that America doesn't face another Islamic State threat that would require a, a major mobilization. Um, that, in the minds of Milley and, and, and President Joe Biden and others, would be a, a major distraction from our priorities, which are, you know, addressing, you know, kind of the imminent threat from Russia, which is, you know, manifesting right now in Ukraine with its invasion. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the pacing threat is what the Pentagon describes it as, uh, of China, which is, you know, the, the near-peer competitor whose military is growing in, in capability and becoming increasingly muscular and, and capable. Turkey today summoned a U.S. ambassador to convey its discomfort about General Milley's visit. A key ally of the U.S. in Syria is considered by Turkey to be connected to an outlawed separatist party in Turkey. The U.S. also considers those separatists to be terrorists, but not the group in Syria. The United States deployed a B-52 bomber for a joint drill with its ally South Korea today. It's a show of force against North Korea's nuclear and missile threats. Footage shows that a B-52 bomber was seen flying in formation with South Korean fighter jets during the drill. B-52 bombers are capable of carrying nuclear weapons. South Korea's defense ministry said the U.S. and South Korea will achieve peace through strength by stepping up joint drills. The air drill came ahead of combined large-scale exercises starting later this month. North Korea has traditionally called for such joint exercises to be called off. The U.S. Air Force Air Mobility Command wants to fly incognito. To achieve that, it's removing all ID markings from its fleet of cargo and tanker aircraft. That includes tail numbers, unit markings, and the U.S. Air Force writing usually found on the fuselage. The Aviationist reports that security reasons are behind the changes. The tweet comes just a month after Commander Mike Minahan told service members to get ready for war with China within the next two years. Government watchdog groups and transparency advocates are taking issue with the new system. They say the result is less information available to the public. U.S. forces are in Thailand for Cobra Gold, the largest military drill in Southeast Asia. But they aren't just training to maneuver tanks and firearms. They're practicing a traditional combat technique, Muay Thai. The training session was guided by a Muay Thai champion fighter. At the end of the event, the coach tested strengths of both U.S. and Thai soldiers. He said the course boosted the cultural exchange between the two countries.
I would say that the biggest lesson is is the not just the the, the, the tradition and the culture that we've had since being here, but just these are uh, skills that are very applicable to, to our job. You know, hand-to-hand -hand combat, close quarters fighting. This is stuff that, uh, as infantrymen, we need we need to know how to do and to, to, to learn from from one of the best in the entire world. It's, it's been really great to learn some skills that we can take back uh, and use on in, in the future. The Muay Thai lessons were part of the 42nd Cobra Gold military drill. More than 7,000 personnel from 30 countries are taking part in the full-scale event. The exercises are set to last until this Friday. Turning to Georgia, the country that is, fistfights broke out among lawmakers as a parliamentary committee debated a bill on foreign agents. Critics say it's modeled on legislation in neighboring Russia. Video from inside the parliament building shows a brief but violent brawl between lawmakers. The chairman of the chamber's Legal Affairs Committee appeared to strike the leader of the opposition party. The law in question would classify organizations that receive more than 20% of their funding from overseas as foreign agents, which would be monitored by the Justice Ministry. The bill still needs to pass other approval stages before it can become law. Critics have compared it to a 2012 Russian law used to suppress independent media. They have cast the law as symbolic of an authoritarian shift in Georgia. The Georgian president has said she will veto the bill, arguing that it would endanger Georgia's hopes of joining the EU and NATO. But parliament could override a presidential veto. Russia is strongly opposed to Georgia joining NATO. A request to charge a former Ecuadorian president with bribery was approved yesterday by a judge in Ecuador. The charges include bribery over a contract for a Chinese-built hydroelectric plant in the country. Under the indictment, former President Lenin Moreno is linked to having received bribes of nearly $80 million as part of a corruption scheme. The scheme operated between 2009 and 2018 and includes more than three dozen people. It links Moreno to the Coca-Cola Sinclair Hydroelectric Project. Moreno denied any wrongdoing last month. The judge ruled as a precautionary measure Moreno must appear every 15 days before the National Court of Justice. Moreno served as Ecuadorian president between 2017 and 2021. According to the prosecutor's office, the alleged bribes represent the highest amount prosecuted for acts of corruption in Ecuador. The hydroelectric plant linked to the case was built by the Chinese company Sino Hydro at the cost of over $2 billion. Ecuador's attorney general says China has not responded to a request for assistance in the case. Sino Hydro also did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The world's most famous dog sled race kicked off Saturday with a ceremonial run on the streets of Alaska's largest city. So I'm really excited. We have a good, we've had a good season leading up to this, and uh, yeah, we're just excited to get out on the trail. Thousands of fans braved near zero degree temperatures on the streets of Anchorage. The world's most famous dog sled event, known as the Iditarod, has a long tradition in Alaska. This year's race started on Sunday, about 70 miles north of Anchorage. Only 33 mushers are in the race, the smallest field ever to compete in all 51 races. We came to see the Iditarod. This was one of those, um, I, I don't want to say bucket list, but it's one of those things that you know, you've heard about in Indiana. You know, you hear about it, you see occasionally on TV, and all of a sudden we had the opportunity this year to, to come and decided to do it. Let's, let's do this. These guys live for their dogs, and then we spent a lot of time um, Reading about the Iditarod and the history, it's just been incredible. I, I, 
admire these guys. This is dangerous. Some participants see the race as a celebration of spring for villages all across the state. They say it brings communities and people together for an event that celebrates the history of Alaska and dog mushing. Further south, a curious koala wandered into a gas station in South Australia. A staff member froze when the marsupial climbed up his leg. CCTV footage captured the koala exploring the gas station. Then it went behind the counter and hopped onto a staff member's leg. A colleague filming laughed and said he didn't know how to shoo the creature away. Another video shows the koala sitting on the floor in a cuddly pose. Staff called it a new employee of the gas station. The animal stayed there for about 40 minutes before wildlife services came and took it away. That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.